Hello. Hello. <laughs> Happy Wednesday, everyone. And thank you for hopping on with us kind of last minute. We made this decision on Monday. Monday. It's kind of how we fly around here is completely unedited. <laughs> Everything points back to that. But we, we felt like it was an important conversation. Um, justice. We're going to be talking about justice. We felt like it was an important conversation because it's so misunderstood. Yeah. And, and I think the best way that, that I can nutshell it is that we have substituted God's justice for our understanding of penal justice, our understanding of how the world functions. And, and so we've pinned that on God and steered clear of him as yeah. judge. Right. And then we, we want to misidentify, mislabel when he shows up that way. When he shows up to bring correction as the judge, we want to completely dismiss it. Yeah. Because that's not, that's, that's the God of the Old Testament. That's what we like to say. Right. And that's. Ooh, that is what of, we say. It is. But it's still part of who he is. Yeah. Because he's still, yes, he's annihilated the power of sin and death, but people still sin. Right. So he's still going to come to judge that. Right. Yes, we need we need him in this capacity. Yes. I mean, like that's that's okay. I'll be the first to admit. I'll be the first to repent that I have misunderstood God's justice. I have misunderstood him as the judge. Because let's just be honest. Like the church has gone from one end of the spectrum to the the other as in regards to his judgment. That you know, it's either hell's flames or it's non-existent. Right. Right. Like hell's bells are non-existent. <laughs> I grew up in a Christian school. <laughs> we learned all about the the ways that that the, the enemy is attempting to draw us astray. And, you know, we did the whole back masking of albums and and things like that. Oh, yes, there are messages, blatant messages from the enemy on these albums. I wow. am really not trying to mock it. Anyway, maybe I am. Maybe I am. Maybe but, we should. <laughs> maybe we should. It was creepy, let me tell you. But anyway, I grew up in an understanding that if I did not get it all right, God would reject me as judge, that he would reject me. I would I would do my best to, to follow him, serve him, whatever. But if I missed one, one, one sin, if one sin went unrepented of, I would be spending the rest of my existence burning. And so that's, that's the, the God of justice by and large that we have been introduced to. And, and I, that's no, I'm going to reject that. Yes, it has to be rejected because like we've talked about recently, quite a bit is it's because of his goodness and his kindness mm. and grace and mercy that he comes and shows up as the judge. Yeah. Right. If, if it wasn't for that, we would definitely still be lost. Yes. We because, need him. Right. If, if we didn't have that, I don't know where we would have to be able to point to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even sure if he didn't show up in that manner that uh, Jesus would have ever went to the cross. Mm -hmm. Because he was right there judging sin and death yeah. as unworthy of us. Yes. And, and bringing us into reconciliation. Yes. Life. Yes. And, and the whole, I, I've never, 
uh, been pointed towards, you have to repent of every sin that I can remember. Um, but I definitely know that that is out there and that, that that is still something that is put onto people that they have to be able to do this and do that. Otherwise, you're out. Right. Right. And, and so when, when we were considering what this would look like and, you know, because we had to put it out there <laughs> that we were going to go live, I was like, okay, Jesus, like, just give me, give me something to go off of here. Give me, you know, I always want the springboard. What's the springboard into this thing? And I felt like God was just like, so it was so simple, kind of a dumb moment, honestly, where he was just like, my standard of justice is a slain lamb. That's his standard of justice, that Jesus came and he took on what was owed humanity so that we could have all that is his. That is his standard of justice. So if you are in any way shying away from God, the judge, I, I want you to reexamine what it is that you think you know, because we, this, this is the God we need to run into right now. We need him. Mm-hmm. We need him in this measure. And he's not looking for reasons to reject us. Let's say that. Right. Because that's really important. God is not coming as judge to look for reasons to reject us. He's coming to bring a a, a resemblance. Listen, it was a pure and spotless lamb for a pure and spotless bride. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's coming to bring that expression to his church that we would become the pure and spotless bride that can cry out, Come, Lord Jesus, come in any capacity that you want to. Mm-hmm. And I just know that with, with what it is that, that he, like we know that the, the final, the last, the last days are going to be like nothing we've ever seen before. And we're not ready. We're not. We're not ready. So we need him to come in the fullness of his fire right now and to burn up all the things that just don't need to be here. They're not serving us and they're certainly not serving him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that in in talking about preparing for this, that was one of the big things that for me was is uh, vision and definition, being able to see rightly how it is that he's showing up and not mislabel or misrepresent it to other people and say, oh, that's the God of the Old Testament or he doesn't show up like that anymore. It's it's grace and there is no judgment of anything. Right. Well, that just doesn't line up with what Jesus taught or anything that, right. that came after that. And so uh, I, I want to be able to make sure that people are seeing that, that they are seeing God show up in different ways and being able to be okay with that and, and search that out Yeah, and really dig into that relationship that you have with him and say, help me understand this. Right because it hurts right now. Yeah. It's, it's painful. It, it's, it's, uh, you know, that, that purifying, we talk about it all the time. The refining it's, it's fire. It's, it's, uh, it's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable and, and it, a little bit disorienting. Yes. Uh, I, and I would say for me quite disorienting at times, mm-hmm. uh, just because, you know, it, it's hard to understand when you have never taken this, uh, different expression of the way God wants to show up and examined it and really try to break it open, then you, you just don't know what it's, mm-hmm. what it's going to be like. So it's uncomfortable. It's disorienting. Right. And um, it has a lot of people very wiggly. Yes. Like, cause they don't know how to act or I don't know what to do with my hands right now. You yes. Know, type of thing. Right. And so uh, I, I really want people to be able to see that 
and and say, okay, this is something different that I'm not, I'm uncomfortable right now. Right. Like, why? Why am I uncomfortable? Well, likely because he's poking some offense inside of you or he's actually offending you on his own. Yes, because and he offends our minds to reveal our hearts. Exactly. Because there's something he wants to purify inside of you. Yes. And so you, you have to be able to see this. And uh, God showing up as judge is just one of those areas where we don't like to really look at. We don't like to talk about because it is uncomfortable. It is. It is. However, we need him. Yes. We need him the way that he's wanting to come right now. And and I get it. I, I totally understand how it could seem like it's a totally Old Testament, Old Covenant feel. But the thing that we have to keep in mind is that Jesus didn't do what Jesus did to change the Father. He's right. the same yesterday, today, and forever, turns out. <laughs> and so for us to, to put him in this box and say, like, no, God, you're not allowed to cross this line. Like, you can't come as, as the refiner anymore because right. that's totally Old Testament. Who do we think we are? I don't know. We're, we're pretty arrogant. And it is arrogant. Ego and egotistical in our, our labeling and representing what God's actually doing. Right. So for us, and I think this is really important to, to kind of lay this out there because it needs to be talked about. We have been under the, the a deep, deep expression of grace yes. and the finished works of the cross. And, and it's been stunning. Mm -hmm. And I am so thankful for, for the time. I mean, like we're talking probably getting close to 20 years of walking in this space of grace and really understanding what it is that is ours right. as children of God. And I think that it was, it was a great place for us to be in. And I wouldn't want to be where I'm at right now without the undergirding oh. of grace and the finished works of the cross. We wouldn't have lens to even understand it. Oh, without that. we would, we would fully go into hellfire and brimstone. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, and it is, it feels like a fine line of mm -hmm. the way that God is wanting to express himself right now because it's, it's such a juxtaposition of where we've been. Right. They, they do, they can collaborate. They can. Turns out, listen, I want to read scripture because this is so exciting to me. We are in Psalm 89 and we're going to start, we're going to start verse 11. 89, 11. Psalm 89, 11. All the heavens and everything on earth belong to you. For you are the creator of all that is seen and unseen. The four corners of the earth were put in place by you. You made the majestic mountains that are still shouting their praises to your name. Breathtaking and awesome is your power. Astounding and unbelievable is your might and strength when it goes on display. Your glorious throne rests on a foundation of righteousness and justice. Grace and truth are the attendants who go before you. I love that. Oh. In, in this second version, instead of, of righteousness and justice, it says of righteousness and just verdicts. Yes. Love it. That's what it says in here too, but oh, I changed it. it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I both, like both ways. I, I do too. I like both ways also, but but what I love about this, and because it speaks to the way that I have been introduced, like the order that I have been introduced to God, 
is that grace and truth are the attendants that go before, that go before him. That is what goes before it to prepare us to be able to stand on the foundation of righteousness and justice, which I think is absolutely beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, that we have an understanding of, of grace and truth, that we have, we have a better understanding of his justice, of his righteousness, because we were introduced to, to grace and truth first, and we can have it all. That's good. We can have it all. I love that. Yeah. I absolutely love that. That's so good. Well, I want to read um, out of Romans 2. And what I like about this is it, it goes to that point of, of not missing it and understanding that it is his goodness and his kindness that um, not only leads us to repentance, but leads us to uh, grace, to mercy, to judgment and justice. And I love it. Mm-hmm. So we to read Romans 2, 4, and 5. It says, no one can afford to get the wrong idea about God's goodness. You just can't, you can't afford to do that. Right. He hates sin, but loves man, which I think is a, an important point for us to remember is that he hates sin, but loves man. Yeah. Because we, we tend to lump the two together. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a misrepresentation of what's actually right. taking place. Right. We're so extreme. Oh, we are. <laughs> it, it's so funny because before we go on, we have to, we have to kind of hit this point of, you know, we've, we've been in those seasons of where everything is black and white and, and we love to stay in the black and white. Either it's right, wrong, good, bad, pretty ugly, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's one or the other without realizing that in between the extremes of the pendulum, pendulum, there's a lot of gray area there and God's in that gray area. Yeah. Too. And, and we can't just say, oh, it's this way or that way because... Freedom doesn't look the same for everybody. Right. Uh, judgment and justice is not going to look the same no. for everybody. And so we can't, we can't swing on, on one end or the other. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta figure out what's really going on. Right. And, and be okay with it looking different for the person sitting next to you. Yes. Yes. That's huge <laughs> because we love to take what, what is happening in us and, push it onto one another and, and force one another to live to the same standard of righteousness that God is requiring of me. And it doesn't work that way. He's intimate. He's far more intimate than that. He's Mm -hmm. capable of creating a righteous standard for you Mm -hmm. that will take you where you need to go. And the same for me. And they're not going to look anything alike. And the great part about that is, is we get to bring that into oneness and the entire body of Christ gets to, um, gets to have the benefit of that standard that this one person is, is being held to and upholding. Yes. It's not fair. It's not fair. (laughs) Even if we've said that about grace for years now, that grace isn't fair, but justice is not fair. fair. No, it's not. And, and that's part of the definition that, that I was alluding to earlier. We're talking about vision and definition is, is part of that is it isn't fair. It isn't. And that is, a, that is one of the biggest things that people have a problem with when it comes to how God shows up, what he's doing, what he's doing in this person, what he's doing in that person. Sure, we may um, limit ourselves from doing certain things around people so as to not cause them to stumble. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. 
But that doesn't mean that I am held to that standard that he's holding you to. Right. So we can't, we can't. Be all things Solomon. Right. We can't get it mixed up. Right. Jesus is not us. Right. So. Yes. Okay. It goes on. The wealth of his benevolence and his resolute refusal to let go of us in his patient passion is to shepherd everyone into a radical change of mind. Wow. Which is what we absolutely have to do is have a radical change of mind about uh, him showing up as the judge, Mm -hmm. him bringing justice um, and and understanding what that really looks like Uh, and not trying to, you know, shove God into our understanding of things based off what we see modeled on earth because it just doesn't work. And so I love that. His resolute refusal to let go of us. Wow. Resolute is one of my favorite words because it is, it's something that we need to do. And, and what he's calling us to is be resolute in that calling. He's showing you the promise, be resolute to go after it. Yeah. Be, be stiff necked to, to stay focused on Jesus and what it is. The only thing you should be stiff necked in. (laughs) Right. Yes. But be resolute in that. Yes. I mean, God's resolute about uh, his refusal to let go of you. Yeah. Be resolute in your your focus on him and what he's doing. Yeah. And in verse five says, a calloused heart that resists change accumulates cause to self-destruction while God's righteous judgment is revealed in broad daylight. Some of the other translations say different things uh, about what is being accumulated. Mm. Uh, Accumulated cause to self-destruction. And I, I think we have to understand here that that is really an accurate picture of what's happening when you try to run away from God. Yeah. When you try to separate yourself from him and what it is that he's doing uh, for you, through you, uh, or around you, because you don't like it, because it makes you uncomfortable, because you want to do your own thing. Right. You want to uh, make up your own rules. Well, all you're bringing is self-destruction and and you're creating for yourself a a living hell. Right. Right now. Not, not, don't even forget the, the whole hellfire thing, you know, that, uh, I I don't know where I land on that. So that, that may come after (laughs) that. That's another topic. Yeah. Um, completely other topic, but forget that right now, what you're creating for yourself through that, because you are a very powerful being. Yes. That you, you can create for yourself right now, heaven or hell. Yeah. You get to choose. Right. And so you're, you're giving cause for self-destruction when you're doing this yes. and we can, we can see that when you look at uh, a society, when you look at people, when you're walking around, you can see the self-destruction just by the choices they're making. Mm-hmm. You can see that they're, they're putting themselves in this own hell. It doesn't have to be that right. Way. Right. Sure. Things happen around you outside of your control, but that doesn't mean you get to, or it doesn't mean you have to choose to be brought down by that. Right. This is this is one of the most wonderful things, and uh, Bill Johnson did a great job of teaching on it after Benny died. Was yeah, we get the opportunity right now through the pain, through the hurt, through all the tragic things around us to still offer him what is due to him. Yes, to still offer him wow. worth. Thank you, and Jesus. come and worship him 
and love him and yeah. choose him through all of that. Yes. And so I, I know we're getting off, off topic a little bit about justice, but the, the fact remains that we have to be able to rightly see what's happening. We have to have vision to be able to say, okay, this is different. I'm uncomfortable. God, what's going on? Rather than mm, I'm uncomfortable, rejection. Right. Yes. We don't want to sit in it. No. We don't want to sit in the discomfort of anything. We want to escape all of the things that we can't understand. Mm-hmm. And, um, and our knee-jerk reaction is to, to want to live by our own means of justice, our humanistic ability to create a justice system within. And, and that is only good for punishing self. Yeah. It doesn't work. <laughs> and it certainly isn't creating a pure and spotless bride. It's creating an imprisoned bride. A bride that doesn't know who she is. She's she's completely deformed, and because she has spent most of her time in darkness because of her own system of justice, and that is what I feel like God is wanting to break off of us is this this cell of our own system of justice, and and is inviting us to come and at least see, taste, and see that it is good, right? So, uh, oh gosh, a week and a half ago, I was teaching. And in the middle of it, I just, I felt like God was just wanting me to like, sometimes he interrupts me (laughs) in my thoughts and, and and it's for the sake of releasing something, but it was what he was like telling me. And and I did, I, I shared this is that we need him to come as judge right now. We need his justice right now. And that there will be court cases. This is what he was saying to me. There will be court cases that we will see overturned if we yield to his justice. If we yield to him as judge and, and, and I, I want to bring it back up because I think this is true. I, and this goes back to even as justice isn't fair, we will look at the things that people get away with. Cause that's how we want to see it because we are still feasting on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Ouch. Delicious fruit. Not really? good for you though. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we have to, we have to understand that, that this justice that we're talking about, it's also not fair. It's not fair. It's not going to look fair by our measure. We're going to see people let off the hook for God's glory. And, and this, is what, this is what God was talking to me about the other day, was reminding me of Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas are imprisoned unfairly. Yes. Right? They didn't deserve to be in shackles and thrown into a cell. In this dark place, they sacrificed through praise. And we know that he is enthroned upon the praises of his people. Mm-hmm. And we also know that the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. So here they are sacrificing praise, creating a space for justice himself to enter into this prison. And the outcome is that everyone is released. Did they all deserve to be released? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But by his justice, by his measure of justice, yes. We have to give up our understanding of justice. That's, That's what's on the altar. It's our understanding of justice, of him as the judge. We need a renewal of the mind in this regard because he's good. Yeah. He's a good judge. Absolutely. We absolutely need a renewal of our mind, and we absolutely need to sacrifice that thing on the altar. 
our our own understanding and, and definition of what it means to be judged, to what it what it means to have justice brought for to us for us on our behalf. However, uh, it comes, we have to give up our own mm-hmm. understanding. Yes, because we know that the kingdom is really upside down. Yes. Jesus didn't come to be served as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He came mm. to serve and and to offer up a different a different model. Yeah, a, a completely different life. Yeah, and and we know that when we start to accept this stuff and, and really start to lean into what it is God's doing and. and and frankly, just lean into relationship with him. Right. Because this is this is where we're often going to miss it and go wrong is because we start first with, um, I don't understand this, so let me see. Nothing in here is coming up. Let me check Google. And if that's our first point of entry, rather than into relationship and rather uh, into conversation with him, we're yeah. going to wind up off track. Right. And, we may eventually come back around, but why take the long route if you don't have to? Right. Stay in it. Right. Burn. Yeah, burn. I mean, he, he <laughs> says he's the all-consuming fire. And and we've talked about this at length now, I feel, and um, but still not enough. And um, we haven't made room for him to be the all-consuming fire. I mean, it is becoming more and more evident to me that we have taken and consumed just about anything that is served up. Under the name of God, we have taken it and consumed it, served it, idolized it as a promise and are bound by it because it's not of God. And it would be really easy to figure that out if you just go into relationship and say, what's going on here, God? Have a conversation with him. It doesn't have to be some lament of prayer where you're begging for an outcome or begging for an answer. Right. This is more of a conversation. You know, if you're if you're friends with God first, you'd be surprised what's going to happen. Yeah. Yes. Should I read? Should I read yes. some more? I have more to read, you guys. I'm just so excited. And I'll be honest. I mean, like, even with the, um, with the uh, uh, how do I want to say this? Um, the, the accusation of, of uh, an Old Testament feel by comparison to the grace that I explained at the beginning that we've been under. Um, I'll admit I've been in the old Testament a lot over the last, I don't know, two months. And I love it. I mean, we need to get acquainted, reacquainted with, with the things that God did then, because we can talk about the new covenant all we want. We're still not seeing the things that took place in the old covenant. (laughs) Right. So I, I just, I think he's the same God. Mm-hmm. He's the same God. He didn't change. Okay. We're in Isaiah one and we're going to start in um, 15, verse 15, Isaiah one fifteen. When you stretch out your hands to pray, I will hide my eyes from you. Repeat your prayers all you want, but I will not listen for your hands are stained with innocent blood. Wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. Remove your evil actions from my sight and stop sinning. I want us to begin to read these kind of things and stop hearing it so much as a command, but an invitation. That's good. Hear his love. Stop sinning. It's not good for you. Yeah. I have better for you. Mm-hmm. 
Verse 17, learn what it means to do what is good by seeking righteousness and justice. And I want to remind you, every time that you see righteousness and justice in your Bible, you need to remind yourself, he's enthroned upon it. You want to be close to him. You want an intimate relationship with him. Greatly desire his righteousness and justice. Rescue the oppressed, uphold the rights of the fatherless, and defend the widow's cause. Come now and let's deliberate over the next steps to take together. Yahweh promises you over and over, though your sins stain you like scarlet, I will whiten them like bright new fallen snow. Even though they are deep red like crimson, they will be made white like wool. If you have a willing heart to let me help you, and if you will obey me, you will feast on the blessings of an abundant harvest. But if you are stubborn and refuse to obey, the sword will eat you instead. The mouth of Yahweh has spoken. Do you understand that? Like this is, this is something else that we've talked about is this all-consuming fire will be ultimately love for those who are willing to change their mind, mm -hmm. or it will be the sword that will eat you. Right. And you can, you have to look at that, that all consuming fire also as an invitation. Yes. As an invitation to be refined, to be sharpened, to grow, uh, to move to greater levels of yes. glory and, and not be rebellious. Yes. Yeah. So good. Okay. We're in verse 21. Look how the once faithful city has become an un as unfaithful as a prostitute. She who was once the center of justice, where righteousness made its home, is now the dwelling place of murderers. She was once like sterling silver, now only mixture, once so pure, now diluted like watered down wine. Your rulers are rebellious and companions of crooks. They are self-centered racketeers who love a bribe and who chase after payoffs. They don't defend the fatherless or consider the rights of the helpless widow. Therefore, here is what the sovereign one decrees. The Lord of God, of angel armies, the mighty one of Israel. Ah, I will get relief from my adversaries and avenge myself on my foes. I will bring my fiery hand upon you and burn you and purify you into something clean. Wow. I love it. I love it when he's like, you used to be like this, right? It, we used to be a center of justice. We used to be a people who understood him as judge. We used to be, she once was like sterling silver. We used to be a place of redemption, mm -hmm. right? We used to be like sterling silver. We used to be a space where people could run into to find themselves in him. We're not anymore because we have closed the door on the all-consuming fire and said, I'm sorry if it doesn't look like love and grace, if you're not squishy, Jesus, then I don't have room for you. We need to open our doors wide and invite the all-consuming fire in because we want to be a redemptive place again. We want to be known as, what, what did it say? I love it. The center of justice. Wow, the space where he is enthroned, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think so much of this is going to look like for us, not going through the motions anymore. We, we, we enter in through our church doors on any given Sunday, or maybe you do sa second Sabbath on a Wednesday. I don't know. Um, but when you do so, don't do so out of duty, 
do it because you have something to give. You have a sacrifice. Come prepared with a sacrifice of praise. It was so funny. We were in worship this last Sunday and, um, and, and, and this Don Moen song started playing in my head while another song was being sung from the front. And Don Moen from the Maranatha worship group from the, I don't know, 80s. And, and it was, we bring the sacrifice of praise to the house. <laughs> and it was like so completely opposite of what was going on in the room. And it wouldn't stop. Like it just kept going and going and going. And I was like, I get it. Okay, I'll do it. (laughs) And so what God wanted me to do was to invite people to stop going through the motions and to understand that it is our job, even though we are in a dark space. Some of us are in a really dark place. The, the, The valley of the shadow of death, maybe, or a dark night of the soul. Even there. We have to offer up a sacrifice of praise. We have to because yeah. it's where he's enthroned. And in your dark night, in your, your valley of the shadow of death, if you will yield to him and offer up a sacrifice of praise, he brings his throne down where his righteousness and justice is established and we need his justice right now. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned people showing up and going through the motions. Yeah. That's just showing up and pretending. It's not actually doing anything. You're just going through the motions. You're just pretending. Mm-hmm. You're just pretending to be a follower of Christ. You're pretending to be his disciple. What's the point of that? Yeah. Because where is where's the fruit at the end of the day? What, what, what does that gain you? Yeah. How, how does that move you any closer to God or keep you on the path of godliness? Right. It doesn't. Yeah. And, and like Angie was talking about, when you show up to church on Sunday, you should be bringing your very best to the people that are around you. Because these are the people you share oneness with. Yeah. This is, this is your, your fellow members of the bride of Christ. Yes. And and you mentioned earlier, like this, this bride that's out of focus and all mm-hmm. disjointed and everything. When we start seeing these things happen, the picture I get is, um, is the, is Frankenstein's monster. Here, oh, yes. Where it's, it's cobbled together and, and tried to put life into it. And there's just no life there. Still robotic. It's still robotic. And it, it doesn't fit together like it's supposed to yeah. because it's a pretend thing. Mm -hmm. It's not real. Yeah. And so show up with your best, bring your best to these people and allow what it is that you're bringing to sharpen them Yeah. and that be okay. And if they are bringing their best, be sharpened by them yourself. I, I don't, I don't understand why else you would come to church other than for this old uh, idea that this is your place to be fed. Right. Your, your place to be fed is not from, from church. Right. This is your place of, of honing and, and that last little bit of sharpening. Yeah. Cause it's going to offer you something to take back and have conversation with Jesus. In. Yes. This isn't the, the, the source of where you're getting fed. This is the, this is pointing you towards the food. Yeah. 
It's not the actual meal. Right. Right. It's, it reminds me so much of Jesus's conversation with Peter. Peter, do you love me? Mm-hmm. Feed my sheep. And we've taken moments like this and created platform Christianity where the mm-hmm. only one allowed to feed the sheep is the one who has the microphone. How can we be a collective pure and spotless bride? How can we actually become the city set on the hill if there's only one person in every congregation allowed to feed the sheep? How do we expect to uh, do on earth as it is in heaven and bring a full expression of the kingdom with one grace standing up here? Exactly. Maybe. Maybe maybe one grace. And, And oftentimes, if it is misrepresented as a pastor and it's not, then that person is going to break people. Yes. And it's just going to create a mess that nobody has any clue how to clean up because we have one person up there, one grace trying to do it. And it doesn't work that way. A bride that looks like she forgot leg day. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Yes. We are bulky in some areas and, and, and weak in others and we need the full expression. So we have to stop thinking of platform mentality that has to be broken off of us. I really, I feel like that is a, it's a, an, um, an unclean yoke is what we'll call it. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been placed on us to, and it's, it's changed our mind about what the body of Christ is supposed to be like. But when Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Yes. Lord, you know that I love you. He asked him three times, then feed my sheep. The same is for you. Insert your name into that. Feed your sheep. What are you serving up? You have an obligation. It is full participation if you are a part of a faith community. Yeah. And and don't be scared. If he gives you something hard to say to people, if it doesn't sound like always the encouraging word that uh, he's offering up, don't be scared of that. Take it to one or two very trusted people and have them weigh it. Yeah. And then bring that to sharpen the rest. We're so afraid of that. We are. <laughs> we, we can't be afraid of these things. We have to stop shying away from, from the hard conversations. Uh-huh. Uh, because often we build these things up so big in our minds. And then it's like once you bring it out and you hold it out there, it's like, oh, that wasn't actually so difficult. And it actually is helpful. And, oh, what I thought was a hard word is actually encouraging mm-hmm. to other people. Yeah. Uh, because they are wrestling with something right. that this what you think is is harsh or something like that uh, is actually like, oh, okay, this is the breath of fresh air they needed to hear. Right. And God's using that. Yeah. He's using you for that. Part of, part of, of um, allowing their space for the justice of God is recognizing that um, that's a, that requires partnership. Like we become the essence of his justice. And so like Vince is saying that if you do, if you're hearing a hard thing and God is, is asking you to do something about it, you have to be willing to become that essence of his justice because it's only going to transpire through community. Yeah. It's not like some ethereal thing where he's showing up as justice and we're all just supposed to sit there. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous thought. We have to, we have to interact with the God of justice right now. We have to, and really like, if you can, I realize that here in America, we have a court system, wherever it is that that you're coming in from, whatever your justice system looks like, 
That is not a good picture of God. He has a throne and a scepter. And we can go ahead and just insert the story of Esther here and realize that she was also asked to do really hard things, but she trusted in the justice of God and his scepter was extended toward her. And for her, this was a a, a potential death sentence. And, And you're not under that, okay? But his scepter is extended toward you to run into his justice system, to embrace him as judge right now, because that expression is what is missing right now, and it's what we need desperately. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get the wrong picture of what he's doing. Right. Get into a relationship with him. And, yes. And, and see what he has to say to you about it. Yes. And if you're worried about grace... Just understand that that justice is accentuating what you understand about grace. Yeah. He's coming this way because of his kindness, his goodness, his yeah. grace, his mercy, his his resolute hold on not letting go of you. Yes. So chasing us down right, right now. So just stop trying to escape. Yeah, you're that's only- my best advice. You're only going to be loved tired if you do. Loved tired. (laughs) Don't let that happen. (laughs) What happens if you run away from him? Oh, that's hilarious. (laughs) Oh, goodness. All right. I think we've said all we're going to say. Last thoughts? I think so. Nope. I'm done. Father. Oh, my gosh. We accept you. We receive you as judge. We trust you as judge. And we thank you for your justice. Thank you for your love, your unrelenting love. Teach us to run into your flames. Teach us. You've said multiple times to be bold and courageous. So right now I'm asking for a spirit of courage to come over us all that we would be the ones who run into your flame right now. Refine us, God. Refine us. Amen. All right. We love you guys. Thanks for joining us. And we'll talk soon. Do we have any announcements? Nope. Okay. Well, we bless your day. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.